2: There's more than one way to build an alternate broadcast. ESPN tapped the Manning brothers and their unmatched gravitas. Nickelodeon covers the field in slime. There are no bad ideas as the gold rush to discover ancillary programming around the main feed reaches a fever pitch. Some are simply better than others. Like strapping a secondary camera to an existing property that already enjoys massive online fandom as opposed to trying to build something new, which is what Amazon will do tonight with the Dude Perfect alternate stream during Thursday Night Football. The Dude Perfect Quintet has a proven track record of putting noggins in seats. Over 58 million YouTube subscribers does not fully reflect their popularity among the younger crowd, which come out in droves to their live shows during national tours. It's a fiercely loyal group perhaps undervalued in the public sphere because those who cover sports media tend to skew a little older. Sorry, Marshan. Dude Perfect has a long track record of making videos with professional athletes as well, and those existing relationships caught the eyes of Amazon more than a year ago when discussions about working together began. While those were going on, they filmed a video with Bryson DeChambeau at Augusta National in which they competed in an unusual all-sports battle on the sacred grounds. Tyler Tony, the group's de facto frontman, tells The Big Lead, "That was intended for a very specific audience. It was not created for golf fans or the guys who already know the name of all the holes and the flowers they're named after. It was made for kids who may or may not be fans of golf." Tony said that a father sent him a note about his kid who watched the video and then asked to watch the Masters as a result. Tony says, There's a need to bring in a younger audience, and we're seen as a potential avenue to do that. I know that's something that we've taken a lot of pride in over the last 13 years. We have found a unique position to be able to do that. It's something we're very excited about, to speak to fans of football, but also the opportunity to tie in what we've done in that time. See." This is the key. Alternate broadcasts exist because points of entry differ. Drumming up interest in Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, among football zealots, is easy. Opening up a side door to potentially new fans is a different animal. The secret sauce everyone is hoping to unlock. Corey Cotton, one of the twins in Dude Perfect, added, The NFL is king. Gosh, we live in Texas. No one knows that football is the best more than we do. We're just huge fans and the chance to be associated with this game-changing media decision, it's wild. The fact that we get to do this is a big opportunity for us. We also want the concept to work, right? It's more than just wanting our broadcast to be good. We also really believe in this concept of alternate broadcasts. We think there's a lot of value to people across all sports, and it's really cool that we get to be on the front lines of it here we're perfectly positioned to make it really, really fun. When you're making content, what's more important than having it be fun and putting smiles on faces? That's our goal anytime we make anything. If people walk away saying, that was really fun, then we've won. So what should viewers expect tonight? Well, the release announcing the broadcast promises an entertaining parade of dunk tanks, putting cannons, special guests, and the occasional world record attempt. Without giving too much away, the dudes will also try their hand at pass blocking against a former pro bowler. Of paramount importance, will be making the experience participatory instead of passive. Just as fans tend to feel as though they are the sixth member and try the trick shots themselves, they will have ample opportunity to lean in and compete themselves. Cotton says, Something we're really excited about doing is gamifying our broadcast. There's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be us competing with each other during the game, but we're also trying to be smart and fun in terms of bringing the audience at home along with us for the ride and letting them do some things. We've got a lot of social challenges that we're going to be doing where people will have a chance to do the exact challenge that we're doing with some simple stuff that we know everyone has around the house. And we're going to be able to throw that up on screen and give the audience a chance to do it, which we think is fun and a little bit different than some of the stuff we've seen. Performing in concert with a live football game is a new challenge. There have been rehearsals to practice, including being presented with the uphill battle of some blowout preseason games. But there's no way to completely prepare before kickoff. And talking to the dudes, though, one gets the sense that they are relaxed and ready to go with the flow. Tony says, this is going to be new for us. The game is still number one. The good news is, regardless of what we do, especially this week, We should have an entertaining football game. If you're a football fan, that's why you're watching. It's nice for us that we get to be the icing on the cake. The good news is that we're not expected to be Tony Romo out there, calling out the next play that's going to happen. We're not expected to be analysts. We don't even have to be broadcasters. We have to be alternate broadcasters. Cotton agreed, saying, we like the spot we're in. I'm high on this broadcast. I think it's super smart. I'm excited to see what it looks like tonight. If you're a parent like I am, you're going to be tuned into Amazon, and I really think it can work. I really think leveraging an already popular content creation team is the secret sauce. Been wrong before, we'll be wrong again, time will tell.
3: I am Liam McEwen here with Kyle Coster. We are the Big Leads official betting experts, in a manner of speaking. Last season, last NFL season, we picked every game on the schedule for all of the regular season, all of the playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl, and we did all right. We went uh, about 14 games over 500, if I recall correctly. And you know what? That's pretty good. That was our first year doing it. We're very excited for year two. So here we are discussing the results of our first week as betting experts for the 2022 NFL season. And we went a clean 8-8. and You know what they say? You can't win the season in the first week, but you can definitely lose it. And we did not lose it. We didn't win it, but we definitely did not lose it. I'm very excited. I'm feeling good about where we're at. I know Kyle is, too. And so we'll just get right into it with our best bets for this upcoming weekend, week two. Uh, For me, one bet I have my eye on is the Bengals favored by seven points over the Cowboys. That is a very low line for what happened to the Cowboys this weekend. They lost multiple key contributors and, of course, are without Dak Prescott for at least a month up to two months. Jerry Jones sounded pretty optimistic this morning, but he usually does. So seven points. I mean the Bengals, the Bengals are coming off a pretty brutal loss to the Steelers here. They're upset i'm sure they're very angry about how that went down i anticipate a pissed off joe burrow equaling a very productive joe burrow meanwhile the cowboys front it seems like cooper rush is going to be filling in for dak prescott he did so last year against the minnesota vikings when prescott hurt his calf and he played well he threw up uh threw a one touchdown one pick 325 yards definitely acceptable but these are still the Bengals. They have one of the best offensive groupings in the NFL. Rush did all of that last year with what appears to be a better Cowboys team than this year. They let go of Amari Cooper. They still don't have Michael Gallup after he tore his ACL. I just think the Bengals are going to walk in there and dominate. I think the Cowboys are still going to be reeling. They're going to be on their heels a little bit after, uh, you know, an awful week one where everything that went wrong. And everything that could have gone wrong absolutely went wrong. Seven points, just a touchdown. I don't have that much faith in the Cowboys. It sounds like Vegas has more than I do. I don't anticipate this one being particularly close.
2: It's funny that we're being billed as betting experts because I would argue that such a thing doesn't exist. If people knew who was going to win the games, uh, they wouldn't be sharing that information. Uh, So I love contributing because this is the only form of content you can put out in 2022. It has to have a gambling, a gambling peg. And you say that we did okay, 14 games above 500 last year. That's better than okay. That's unbelievable. So I thought that our eight and eight effort in week one was a stunning disappointment. I vowed to get better. And I think it starts right here with your pick. Let me say it like this. What better situation would you possibly want in picking an NFL football game than the one that's presenting itself with Bengals-Cowboys? You have the Bengals pissed off, losing a game that they had no business losing, Joe Burrow kind of having this regression back to the mean and past the mean that I think we think is going to be a one-game blip all season, and then you have the Cowboys who couldn't score with Dak Prescott and now will be forced to score with Cooper Rush. I got to be honest. I don't think they can get to double digits. And if they can get to double digits, there's no way that the Bengals are going to be held under 24. So I look at this bet right here, this game, and I would say, are you guaranteed to win? No, because nothing is guaranteed in life. I, I don't know if that's like master and commander, Russell Crowe, something in that vein. They they said that it's it stuck with me. I have it on a throw pillow, but I think this is the next best thing that you could possibly get because if you lose this bet, I don't think you can be mad about it. I mean, what is it? You laid seven points on one of the best football teams in the NFL versus one that is certainly surrounded by the most question marks at this point. So, Liam, I can't guarantee that we're going to get this one right. But if we got it wrong, we were on the right side. That's a little trick to the trade, too. When it comes to gambling, if you're ever wrong, you can say you were on the right side. It's all bullshit. Okay, let's go. My pick, let's not overcomplicate things. Best team in football from week one was, well, maybe it was the Bills. But if there's a number two team, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. And they get the Chargers on Thursday night football. Amazon, Amazon just sent me a big package. Uh, I had a beach towel in there. There was like an outdoor grill. So I got to promote their product because I am not a responsible journalist, but I would say this one is going to get ugly. And I really mean that because there was all this talk in the off season that Tyreek Hill's absence would cause Patrick Mahomes to look like whatever that dude is from SpongeBob. You know, that meme. I mean, we're not using that meme enough. That was like big eight years ago. I want to bring it back in whatever form or fashion that we can. No, Patrick Mahomes looked really good. Threw for five touchdowns, could have thrown for six touchdowns. New weapons looked awesome. Running the football, they already went on the road and dominated. Meanwhile, you have the Chargers, where I know that they're a trendy Super Bowl pick. I know everybody is in bed and loves the Chargers. Who wouldn't be a fan of Justin Herbert's hair? I know that I am, but they kind of do dumb stuff. They are unrealized when it comes to winning big football games. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They didn't make the playoffs last year. And to make the playoffs, you need to win games like this. I don't think that they're going to win. The line is three and a half. I feel really, really, really good about this, especially because their efforts to cover Devontae Adams in week one were subpar, to say the least. So I think that you combine Mahomes, and offense that, is going to get out of bed scoring 34 points with the inability to stop big plays down the field. I love the Chiefs. And I don't just love the Chiefs small. I would consider putting a prop bet. I like the Chiefs by more than two touchdowns here.
3: Yeah, three and a half seems awfully slim based off what we saw last week. The Chargers don't look that different from last year they have a better defense Khalil Mack had an amazing day in his Chargers debut JC Jackson might return and that could help some of their coverage issues but it was still one of those Chargers games where it feels like they should have won by at least two more touchdowns but they didn't due to you know weird failed fourth down conversions that were a little bit of a toss-up and the some boneheaded defensive plays justin herbert is still that guy it still feels like the chargers have a little ways to go before they really learn how to win which sounds like a cliche but when you're going up against you know the chiefs who have already won a super bowl under patrick mahomes they have you know deep playoff runs ever since he came to quarterback that's the sort of thing that really matters And it does feel a little bit, you know, reading between the lines that the Chiefs were a little mad about all the noise this year because they didn't have any reason to dump five touchdowns on the Cardinals like that. And yet they did. It was an absolutely dominant performance. And it makes you wonder, you know, without Hill, it seems like Mahomes is taking that next step where just covering one guy really well ain't going to fix anything. You know, you can throw all you want at Travis Kelsey and Mahomes is just going to throw to everybody else. So, you know, and then there's the fact that uh, Chargers home field advantage doesn't exist in the classic sense of the term. I love three and a half. I agree with you. You know, you want to fiddle with that line a little bit. I think they'll win by at least a touchdown. And the Chargers, they aren't a bad team, but they still have a ways to go. That's that, that's where I'm at on it. And I love that pick. The next one I'm feeling real good about, and this one I think might come back to bite me, but I just really can't shake the feeling I've got in my bones, just like any other good better, uh, that the Vikings, who are two-point underdogs at Philadelphia, are going to go to start this season 2-0. Betting on Kirk Cousins, brutal, 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 brutal thing to do last year. This year, Kevin O'Connell, great offensive coordinator, absolutely destroyed the Packers in week one shocking absolutely truly shocking but it wasn't necessarily the office that was shocking I think everybody was pretty on the nose as far as that the offense would improve with a greater with a better system Cousins made the throws he was supposed to make this time easy peasy but it was their defense that really surprised me Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers even if he doesn't have the weapons that we're accustomed to him having it's still hard to keep that guy to 195 yards and no touchdowns, no matter what the offense surrounding him is like. That's hard to do, and the Vikings—they've just—they they dominated up and down the field all day. And now the Eagles—the Eagles had a similarly excellent offensive day against the Lions in Week One. Their defense was much more concerning than the Vikings was. The Eagles were up by 17 at one point against the Lions, and they let them come back. And it wasn't even a result of a surprise Dan Campbell onside kick. They caught that. And it didn't work. They still blew. A se- they almost blew, I should say, a 17 point lead, squeaked out with a three point win and a Lions backdoor cover. And I just got I mean, that kind of uh, defensive performance against a Lions team that everybody agrees is subpar offensively, even if they've got weapons, is worrying against the bike for their uh, worrying in uh, when you're looking forward to their matchup against a Vikings team that has one of the best receivers in the NFL. And one of the best running backs. The end. So I think that, you know, the line is so slim. It's sort of a pick em game, which is always a little bit of risky business to go into, especially when it's the Vikings and it's the Vikings in prime time. Kirk Cousins has had his issues in every regard, but I just I just really feel good about this one. I think that the Vikings are being a little overlooked with this. And I think that if you wanted an upset pick for the week, this is probably the upset pick to make.
2: You will not find a bigger Vikings fan in the world than me. I believe in this team so much. If I did gamble, I don't. But I would put some money on the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. Or at the very least, to at least have them serve as the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. The other team I kind of like, sneakily in the NFC, is the team they're playing, the Eagles. So I think this will be a really good barometer game. That's right, a barometer game. Take that all you... Meteorologist out there, if you love weather, if you love barometric pressure, you're going to love what's going on between these two teams. I think that Kirk Cousins is good. I don't care. I know that he dresses like he shopped at Kohl's going back to school. Uh, We love him. He's a classic Western Michigan guy. Yeah, Justin Jefferson might be the best receiver in football, honestly. Like, he gets so open. Like, it's so weird. It's like he gets thrown the football and you're like, who could possibly be guarding him because he's in a different zip code. And I think that cousins has been underrated for such a long time because he is so specifically aggravating and he does have his flaws and his foibles that people forget how good he actually is on the whole. Like you look at his numbers, he's really good. And this offense is going to continue to score points. Delvin cook still a workhorse back. Uh, New coaching will definitely Help them a lot this season. I don't think that the Packers suck. And I wasn't shocked to see this result in game one. I think this was the lock of the century me. I knew that the Vikings were going to go out and murder the Packers. I think the Vikings are arguably the best team in the NFC and will continue to prove it. Yeah, the Lions. The Lions should not be. Sc- okay, yep, let's go. Write it down right now. Vikings, best team in the NFC. I'm saying it right now. The Vikings are going to win the division. The Vikings are going to win 13 games this year. Scoff if you want. Scoff if you want. Well, It's on the record. We'll be able to go back and check it. Like I said, I'm so high on Kirk Cousins. Uh, it's as if he I put him in CBD form and snorted him. And that's fine. 35 points against the Lions is not great. And I think opening the door... To that comeback, I mean, let's not forget that Jared Goff is still the quarterback of the Lions. That's not awesome as a rule. Uh, I don't know if the the Eagles can close football games. I do like Jalen Hurts. I just don't really trust the whole operation there. And I know, yes, first year coach in Minnesota. But this Nick Sirianni thing, not sold on his close game and his late game execution. So we love the Vikings. We love the statement win. You keep rolling your eyes at me because I cannot wait to come on here each and every single Thursday and be delighting in a new Vikings win. It's me. It's Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother. We are the Vikings crew and we are going to ride them until the end. The pick that I like the second most is the Steelers getting a point and a half against the Patriots and that look on your face. Let's me know that you don't like it, but deep down you know it's true because the Patriots stink. They are bad. Mac Jones looked delightfully inadequate. Now he's injured. Uh, if only someone could have seen this coming for the Patriots after an offseason full of, hey, they're gonna get Matt Patricia involved. That's like when you have like a summer house and you're like, we're gonna, you know, we are good person to throw into the mix here is the guy who gets drunk and breaks things and gets in fights every single weekend and is late on rent like all the red flags were there bill belichick i'm not 100 percent sure how he's planning on bending his golden years but if it's getting his brain bashed in by the dolphins who could have won that game by three touchdowns four touchdowns it seemed like i know aftermath in the aftermath they were spinning it that the Patriots got an unlucky interception and that it was a little closer. I thought that Tua didn't play awesome. And I thought the opportunities were there for that to get super out of hand. And I'm not sure where New England's offense is going to come from. The one thing we know about the Steelers who lost TJ Watt, unfortunately, uh, you just love to see a Watt out there trying really hard. Like, it's, they're so earnest. Nobody else in the NFL hustles unless their last name is Watt. They do it the right way. But it's a shame that he tore his peck. The defense is pretty good. The defense is pretty good, and they're still going to be good. I'm worried about the Patriots' ability to score points like you should be doing. Steelers, it was ugly. It was weird. Maybe it only happens one out of 100 times as that game plays out, but they arguably they got the biggest win of week one. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was okay. Mike Tomlin could be the best coach in all of football maybe this will be the year that he proves like if he can take this team to a 500 record or above what are we going to be saying about him I just think when the line is this close I know what the Steelers are going to be bringing to the table is it a delicious bountiful feast no but you know like there's some sustenance there I'm going to walk away and be like okay at least you tried I don't know what the hell the Patriots are going to serve me like the jello with the gross shit in it that's floating. That's kind of where I'm at with the situation. I know it's probably not fun to sit here and talk about the end of the Patriots dynasty and Bill Belichick retiring a loser. So I won't say anything like that. But what do you think about the Patriots falling to 0-2 and having their season be over before it even begins?
3: Yeah, nothing you said was wrong, and honestly, it's a little therapeutic to hear somebody else say it, because I've been watching the, you know, somebody else in real life anyway. I've been watching everybody on TV say it all summer, and I've been getting a little tired of it. But no, you're right. You're very right about everything. The Patriots need... The Bill Belichick sucks as a drafter. As a result, the Patriots have no real athletic difference makers on offense. The only way to fix that problem and still produce is to either have, or no, it's really to have a combination of a dominant running game and a Kyle Shanahan like offensive scheme. The Joe Judge, Matt Patricia brain trust isn't getting that done. I, you know, you said it to me a million times in the chat over the summer. I agreed with you. Everybody with eyes could see that this was a bad idea and. Week one was just the perfect example. It was so, it was so, so, so bad. And I think, you know, the line is only one and a half, which makes it another like borderline pick'em game, but I am inclined to agree with you that these Steelers are going to come in and dominate. The defense is still great, minus TJ Watt. I can't wait for TJ Watt to come back in like week 11 and play very badly because he's super hurt and then be declared out for the season, but everybody proclaims how you know tough he is because it's just like his older brother it's family tradition. but without him even so the Steelers still made Joe Burrow's life miserable Micah Fitzpatrick has really come into his own as one of the league's best safeties Mac Jones as you noted has back spasms I have zero faith in the Patriots to do anything this year I don't even know if they're going to be able to cover on like the games that everybody expects them to win I bet they'll be 10 point favorites against the Jets and not even cover that they might not even win for God's sake times are bad times are bad up in New England I do not – they are not a good team. I mean, it's straight up. That's that's as simple as it is. I don't think the Steelers are a very good team either. I mean, offensively, their performance against the Bengals was very not fun to watch. It was some very unenjoyable football, I will say. But the Patriots' defense is still pretty good, but they aren't that good. Um, yeah, there's no hope. I really like the pick. And I don't think, and I mean, really the overarching factor for me here is that the Steelers, I think they've been waiting for this moment for a while now. The Patriots booted them out of the playoffs with Tom Brady a lot over the Ben Roethlisberger years. Every year, the Steelers. Everybody thought they were going to be, you know, that team, and this was the year they were going to get back to the Super Bowl, and then they would face Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game or the Divisional Round, and then the defense would neglect to cover Rob Gronkowski, and then a three touchdown deficit before you could even bring him blink. I think Mike Tomlin remembers all of that. He's going to put his foot on the neck real early on, and he's not going to let up.
2: Wow, you got a revenge game in week two years in the making. (laughs) I am so happy the NFL is back.
3: Oh, what would we do without it? And now for the bet that I feel the best about this week on my end, and it is the Seahawks, after last night's performance, are still nine-and-a-half-point underdogs in San Francisco against the 49ers. Now, while the Seahawks, I think, surprised everybody here, um, they are not a good team. Let's not get it twisted. They rose to the moment. They rose to the emotion in the Russell Wilson return. They won that game because Nathaniel Hackett made the most inexplicable on-field decisions since maybe Pete Carroll and S- Super Bowl, whatever it was, with the Marshawn Lynch lack of running. I think So they should have lost that game. Geno Smith was way better than everybody thought he would be because the perception of Geno Smith is that he's a perennial backup who is also very unlucky at the same time, which usually it's one or the other, not both. Uh, but he still didn't, you know, he didn't light up the scoreboard. He just made the throws that he needed to, and the Broncos had a few inexplicable busted coverages. So that's why the Seahawks aren't very good. The Niners, you can't take anything away from the Niners after they played in a friggin' hurricane in Chicago. Really difficult to have any solid conclusions of their team uh, based off of that. But I just think that nine and a nine-and-a-half a nine point line in Seahawks Niners is way too much. Anybody who's watched these games over the last, like, five years knows that every Seahawks-Niners game ends in some bizarre fashion that usually comes down to the final play of the game. It's one of those intra-divisional rivalries that always gets chippy, always gets messy, and is very rarely a blowout. This is the first iteration without Russell Wilson on the uh, um, under center for the Seahawks. So things could be different. But this is also the first time in a couple of years that the Niners have been without Jimmy Garoppolo, and Trey Lance was fine. Again, hard to take away really anything from that week one performance. But safe to say he still has, you know, he still has a little bit of ways to go before he's anywhere near a dominant quarterback. So I think that nine and a half is just a lot of points for a Niners team that did not appear very dominant, even with the circumstances under which they played. While the Seahawks performed better than expected, I would have expected that I was keeping an eye on it. Last night, this line was at eight points. This morning, it was at nine and a half. I don't know what Vegas was watching, but they apparently felt that the Seahawks needed to be uh, taken down a few notches as a result. So I think that's very uh, there's a great opportunity, and I feel this is the best bet of the week for me.
2: I guess I disagree in that we can take something away from this Niners performance. It was atrocious. I thought that Trey Lance looked bad. He looked like a guy to me that, yes, he can use his legs, but he looked a long way from a starting quarterback. Now I understand that the weather was biblical. Trust me. I was in Chicago on Sunday. It was stuff of legends. It was unpleasant. I saw like animals going two by two in this big flatbed trailer. I thought it was Noah's Ark two situation, (laughs) but I didn't think he was very sharp. And I didn't think he looked like a guy who was ready to start in the NFL. Now maybe he is. Maybe he is nine and a half points is just so much. What I saw from the Seahawks last night was a team that's going to fight, that a team that is going to win football games, they're not going to roll over and die. Geno Smith is not prime rib, but he's not baloney, at least not every single week. He's kind of like that nice medium cut. Uh, He can win you football games. You know what I mean? He can go four and four over a stretch, even for a team like the Seahawks, who is kind of bereft of offensive talent. I think they can kind of patchwork things and at least be competitive, maybe not win every game, but I just don't see them getting explosively blown out because where is this offense going to come from on San Francisco's end? Yes, you might have the most creative offensive mind in the game calling plays, but – If his conduit to the field is Trey Lance, I'm not 100% sure that that can be executed, okay? I wouldn't like this line if Jimmy Garoppolo was starting. I still think it should be like in the five and a half, five and a half, six range. It's just so many points. And 10? 10 total points against the Bears. If they score 10 points again, they're not going to cover. Now, maybe... The San Francisco defense, which is really good, just eats Geno Smith alive and you get a defensive touchdown. There's special teams magic. Maybe we're sitting here and I feel like an idiot because the Niners have won 32 to seven. Like I could see that event horizon uh, coming out of this, but I just think that if you're going to look at where you would want to put your money, I think this is a very good calculated risk because I just didn't love what I saw from the Niners. And I, really liked what I saw from the Seahawks and the fact that that line moved after they won is super bizarre, but I'm doing this new thing where I don't read anything into what Vegas says because the big, everybody always says like Vegas knows that's why they have the biggest things. That's why they can build this place in the desert. They're so good, but that's really not true. It's, it's reverse engineered at any time where they get one right. We're like, wow, they really nailed this one. Well, the times where they were totally off, we just completely ignore. So I think if I can give one lesson to people is Vegas, yes, they have the tools, but they don't always know what's going on. They can't predict the future. Go out there and do what your heart wants to do. I learned that from Titanic. Okay, last pick of the week. And this one's personal. I wasn't even going to throw it out there. But I will now because I am hot and bothered about what Robert Sala is doing over with the New York Jets, uh, taking receipts, receipts, keeping receipts of people who make fun of his team and point out that they're not any good. Uh, Yeah, man, you're four and 14. You haven't done anything like you stink. It's okay to say that you're bad. I root for the Lions. The Lions are bad. The Jets are bad. Does it suck that you're the butt of the jokes? Yes, but it's this unearned hubris. Like, okay, maybe in three years, if you're still there, which you probably won't be, and you're good, congratulations. You turned it around. You still sucked for the first 18 games. And you will continue to suck in game 19 because the Jets are getting six and a half as they visit the Browns. The Browns surprised me. The Browns surprised me. I got to say, I thought Baker Mayfield was going to go in there and F them up. Maybe he said it. Maybe he didn't say it, uh, but he didn't do it. That combination at running back is good. Okay. I don't know what's wrong with me where I'm like, hey, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Every time they do something really spectacular on a Sunday and combine for all that yardage, I'm like, wow, they might really have something. And then, like in Men in Black, I look at something, usually my weed pen, and forget it completely. And then they do it again. But like that one, two punch is pretty solid. Now, The whole Jacoby Brissett of the situation. Uh, My official comment is not great to be riding him with your financial equity on the line. But I don't think he's going to have to do too much. And the Jets, my God. Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times. They scored nine points. That is like a, a joke you would read on a goddamn popsicle stick. Like, it is so darkly humorous like goddamn Arthur Fleck standing up in a standup lounge, throwing that one out there because it is demented to throw the ball almost 60 times and score nine points. Come on, man. Robert Sala loser mentality. I hate it. I'm taking it personal. Like I am fired up about this and it's probably clouding my judgment, but I want to see the Browns go out there. Absolutely. Molly the jets Sala. To fall to four and 15, so I can update my own receipts as that number continues to grow four and 16, four and 17, four and 18. Hell, four and 25. Give it to me. I'm rooting against the Jets all year because I don't like one comment he made at a press conference. Call me petty, call me small, call me stupid, call me lame. Not anything I don't do to myself each and every single day. Give me the Browns in a big blowout over the Jets.
3: Yeah, it's pretty tough for Robert Sala to stand up there and talk about taking receipts when he was responsible for Joe Flacco throwing the ball 59 times. He never did that when he was good, much less now when he's bad i didn't even know that and i watched i watched football literally all day on sunday throwing up posts all over the website and had no idea that joe flacco threw the ball 59 times that's how little coverage the jets got on nfl red zone presented by scott hansen i mean good lord now the jets are bad there's just no i mean there's there's no upside right now there i mean maybe maybe garrett wilson he had one pretty good catch uh, but there just isn't anything there now. The Browns, the Browns are more interesting because, like you, I was surprised by their offensive performance against the Panthers. Um, they might have gotten away with one at the end there with the alleged fake spike that should have been intentional grounding that they didn't call. The rule book is a little bit confusing on that front. But regardless, you know, big picture performance, I think they'd be pretty pumped if they got close to 200 yards of rushing every week, along with. No back breaking mistakes from the man, the boy, Jacoby Brissett, who has a soft spot in my heart for that one start he made for the Patriots back in 2016. But I think the defense, the defense is what. Is in most interesting to me because they have the pieces to be dominant. And I wonder if that week was I mean, they were really good in week one. They let up a few big plays at the end that let the Panthers get back into the game. And there might be a little bit of they know Baker Mayfield going on there. They knew exactly what coverages to throw at him to take away his strengths and capitalize on his weaknesses, but they're not exactly going up against a ringer in week two and Joe Flacco. I think that the line indicates it basically reflects the quarterback play you know, you're going to get lucky if he throws two touchdowns on the day. But the Jets are terrible. They have no home field advantage because all their fans have been beaten into brutal submission over the last 10 years after the brief spark of hope that Mark Sanchez gave them all, which is just a very sad sentence to say out loud. And I love this pick just because how can you possibly – Bet for the Jets to cover when they again are starting Joe Flacco. Now maybe the offensive coordinator gets his act together and doesn't have Joe Flacco throw the ball 60 times, but I wouldn't bet on that. I'd bet on the Browns rolling because their offensive line is good and the Chubb Hunt uh domination will continue. Six and a half. All they gotta do is win by a touchdown. I like that bet a lot.
2: Chubb hunt.
3: <laughs> the chunt. Sounds like a dirty word, but it's not. I checked. All right, we're done. All right, we're done here.
0: (laughs) You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.